Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We've spent six weeks looking at body, soul, and spirit. We've said that human beings in our own wisdom try to categorize and understand human beings. And we come up with all sorts of different descriptions for ourselves. But the Bible says you have a body, you have a soul, you have a spirit. Your spirit is what is conscious of God or relates to God. And because of sin in the human race, that is the part of us that has been dead, if you like, separated from God. Your soul is the part of you that is conscious of yourself. And it consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that needs to be saved. Your spirit gets saved when you believe in Jesus, but your soul needs to be renewed and become saved. And then your body is your physical body, uh, but it's been trained and become habituated to sin. And so it's a problem and we need to put to death the deeds of the body, the Bible says, and it will be renewed when Jesus comes again. So these are the kind of categories that we have. But today I want to look at the three tenses in the Bible of our salvation. The Bible says you have been saved in several places. In fact, the majority of places where it talks about your salvation, it talks about it in the past tense. You were saved. You have been saved. It's, it's a done deal. It's something that's happened in the past. For instance, Ephesians 1 and verse 13, it says, In him also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It talks about a, a past event. You heard, you believed, you were sealed, you were saved. It's something that's happened in the past. But then there are a few verses that talk about us still being saved. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It talks about an ongoing process. And then there are verses that say we will be saved. Now, it would be very easy and simple for me to say, well, that's just spirit, soul, and body. And that is true. Uh, our spirit is saved, and it's a past tense event. Our soul is being saved, and that's an ongoing event. Our body will be saved, and that's a future event, yes. But it's not as simple and clear-cut as that, because there are elements of us that need to be saved ongoing uh, in our bodies as well as just our soul. And there are elements of our soul and our spirit, which if we don't cooperate with God during this time, then they won't be saved at the end. So for instance, Jesus said in Mark 13, he who endures to the end shall be saved. That's a future salvation. Uh, Romans 5 verse 9, much more than Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Um, and it talks about a, a future tense thing. Romans 13 verse 11. Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And these are all talking about 
future events. And what I want to do today is just look at this idea that we have been saved, we are being saved, we will be saved, but try to explain it a little bit more clearly. I want you to be able to say, I get it, it's practical, I understand what it means for me and how my life is affected by this. So let me read you a couple of other verses about these three categories of tenses and then I will try and explain it. We have been saved in the past tense. John 5 verse 24, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, shall not come into judgment, has passed from death into life. It's a done deal. It's a past tense event. Now we've spoken at length over the last few weeks about your spirit and how it is saved. And especially last week, I described some of the characteristics of your saved spirit. And the, the verses are so amazing that I wouldn't believe them if they weren't in black and white in the Bible. It says that you are just like Jesus in 1 John 4, 17. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 says that your spirit and his spirit are one thing. We've read in Ephesians 1 that your spirit is sealed and perfect. We said last week, your spirit is perfect forever. Hebrews 10 verse 14. You have the mind of Christ. You are full of Christ. Uh, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. These verses about your spirit being saved and sealed and it's a done deal. And that your spirit is seated with him in heavenly places for all eternity. Those are amazing verses. And I want to say that this is the, the most dominant idea, the, the most powerful idea. The fact that he has you, that it's a, a finished work, that it's in the past, that it's not something we keep having to worry about or try to attain every day. I don't have to wake up every morning and say, am I still saved? There is a security. There is a rest. Uh, the Bible speaks about the rest of the children of God, that we can rest in God. To put it another way, the salvation has nothing to do with us. We simply received it gratefully by faith. We just said, thank you, God. It was a gift from him. The gift of God is eternal life. This is your spirit being saved in the past. So your spirit is saved. It, it's, a, it's a righteous, perfect, pure thing. It's like Jesus. The, the other illustration of this is, is the picture of his hand. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that we are in his hand and that we can never be taken away from it. Listen to this. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. It's talking about the fact that your spirit is saved because of something God has done. It's his work. We just received it. He sealed it. It's perfect forever. And nothing will allow you to be snatched out of his hand. There's a rest. There is a confidence. There is an assurance in that. Not only will we not be snatched out of his hand, but we're told we are part of his hand and we are written on his hand. So Isaiah 49, 16, see, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. So it's not just that I'm held in his hand. I'm written there. 
on his hand. And then Ephesians 5 verse 30 says, we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. I'm not just in his hand. I'm not just written on his hand. I am part of his hand. The, the security we have as believers is extraordinary. Jesus said, those who worship me should worship in spirit and in truth. Your spirit is the most, most, most important thing. And, and I need you to understand that it's not easy for us to, uh, to fall away. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. But then being saved, there is this second element uh, where I am in a process of being saved. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13 to 15 says this, Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So, this is the idea. Your, your spirit is saved and there's this power. We said last week that there's God's power making you want to do. If, uh, Philippians 2 verse 13 says, It is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Your spirit is not only saved and sealed, but there's a power making you want to do. He's making your spirit, uh, your soul become like your spirit. He's making your mind think the thoughts of your spirit. He's making your emotions want to do God's will. He's making your decision-making will strong. The fruit of the spirit is self-control. And so he's working to change your soul, but we have to cooperate with him. And this is the being saved element where I am now allowing this salvation to work itself out in my mind, my will, and my emotions. And there are so many verses about this. In 2 Peter 1 verses 3 to 11, it talks about the gift of God that he has given us, his promises. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And then it says, because of this, be diligent or make every effort to add to your faith, knowledge, and all these different uh, salvation elements that make you more and more saved. And then at the end, he says, make every effort to make your calling and election sure so that you will enter into heaven. And so while we are secure in our salvation and while the power of God, this dynamo of power is trying to change us to become more like Jesus, we have to cooperate. We have to allow that salvation to seep out into the rest of us, into our emotions and every part of our soul. We have to say, yes, Lord God, that righteousness that's in my spirit, I want it to become part of my soul and my body. That knowledge that's in my spirit, I want it to change my mind and I want to start thinking like you. That joy that's in my spirit, I want to see that in my life. That self-control and power that's in my spirit, I want to see self-control in my life. And then it starts to affect even our body. And so the Bible says that we should put to death the misdeeds of the body, that uh, those who walk in the spirit will not gratify the lusts of the flesh. And so there is a change, not just in my attitudes, in my mind and my feelings, but even in my behavior. Now, this is the big question. This is where the rubber hits the road. 
how much of a change does there need to be for me to be able to obey this verse that I read at the beginning, that he who endures to the end will be saved. And there is a wide range of opinions on this. There are some people who say it doesn't matter how you behave. If you've believed and your spirit has been made new, there is no change needed. Your behavior and your attitudes and your mind don't need to change whatsoever. You are completely saved. But there are many verses which I've read here and I'll read a few more today that show you that there must be some change. So that's the one end of the spectrum, the one extreme says no changes need. There are others who seem to be, I think, too much on the other side. They say, well, you can lose your salvation very easily if you if you sin and you haven't confessed all your sin and then you were killed in a car crash, then you're going straight to hell. But that doesn't sound like the verses that I've read about. He'll hold you in his hand. So let me try and help you just briefly to walk you through this. And there is a lot in this topic, so I'm going to try and make it simple, but I'm going to have to cover three or four verses. The first passage is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where it talks about if we are saved, we've laid a foundation of Jesus in our lives. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. What he's saying is that when you get saved, you build a foundation of Jesus, and then you can build on that with gold, silver, precious stones, which are good works, which is allowing your spirit and the righteousness and the peace and joy of God to affect all of your life. Or you can build according to the flesh, which is wood, hay, and stubble, which is not allowing the spirit to change you. And he says, at the end, there will become a fire and only that which is uh, of God, which has come from your spirit, will remain. And even if there's not, not a lot there, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. It seems to indicate that if you've believed, but you've done nothing with it, you will still get through, but you'll just have nothing to get a reward for. There won't be any uh, any substance that you take with you into heaven. But there are many other verses that say that if anyone is a believer, they will not continue in sin. There are several passages, and the main one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which talks about a whole list of sins. Verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And then it lists neither fornicators, idolaters, and a whole list of sins uh, will enter the kingdom, but such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. It seems to indicate that there is a list of sins that if I'm living in those sins still, if I'm still behaving in sexual immorality, uh, in drunkenness, in coveting, in reviling, which means slandering other people, in cheating other people, if I'm still living in an ongoing way and I'm not being changed at all in my behavior, then I am not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So where does the middle ground lie? 
And I'm just going to read you a passage from 2 Timothy chapter 2, which summarizes this. In verse 11, he says, This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And this is a summary passage. He says, if we died with him, we will live with him. That means if I see him on the cross paying for my sins and I say, Lord, you are Lord of my life. I'm dying with him and I will live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If I stay with him to the end, I will reign with him in eternal life. That's the shall be saved part. If we deny him, he will deny us. That means there is a way that I can become so hardened in my heart by sin that I no longer want to follow him. And I actually make the decision to not follow him anymore. And then lastly, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Even if I'm a weak Christian, uh, even if I'm faithless, even if I don't do great and mighty things for him, he remains faithful. So that's a summary. If we died with him, we will live with him. If we endure to the end, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful. So let me just show you what happens when we sin. Um, my spirit, when I sin, my spirit is unchanged. It is sealed. It is still close to God. Uh, but my soul is affected. Uh, Romans 8 verse 6 says, To be carnally minded is death. Um, 1 John 3 verse 21 says that my prayers are affected. It says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. It affects my, my relationship with God because my soul loses confidence. It's like there's a, a double-mindedness. There's a two two personalities within me and I'm not being consistent and so I'm not confident in prayer. So it, it affects me in that way. Uh, James 1 verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. I can mess up my own thinking where I don't think clearly and I don't see things clearly because of sin. And Hebrews 3 verse 13 says, um, do not be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin you have become partakers of Christ if you hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so what happens is my heart becomes hard and insensitive to the things of God if I continue in sin. But I'm faithless, but he still remains faithful. And then there comes a point where if I'm not changing, if I'm not allowing God, if this hardness of heart continues again and over and over and over again, where I reach a point where it's too late. And um, I just need to mention one thing here, and that is that the devil is also involved in this process. So Ephesians 4 verse 26 says, Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. When I sin, what I'm also doing, apart from hardening my heart, messing up my conscience and my confidence before God, uh, messing around with my mind, I'm also allowing the devil to come and play with me. He accuses me of things. He torments me. 
And uh, while I can be free from him by simply repenting and resisting, um, it, it does affect me. And so this is the concluding, concluding passage. Hebrews 6 verse 4. How do I know if I've gone too far? It says, It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. So I've said that uh, even if we're faithless, he remains faithful from that passage in 2 Timothy. But it says if we deny him, he will deny us. How do I know if I've hardened my heart, if I've got to the point where I've denied him? This passage makes it clear. It says it's impossible for someone who has been a Christian, enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, partaken of the Holy Spirit, tasted the good word of God, the powers of the age to come. It says if they fall away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. And this is the thing I really want you to hear today. We harden our hearts, but we can still repent. What does repent mean? It means changing my mind. It means allowing God's word to cut, as we said in a previous talk, to cut through my thoughts, my mind, my will, and my emotions, to cut all the way through, to break my heart, and to separate soul from spirit, and to allow God's word to change me. So I change my attitudes, my feelings, and my actions. If I can no longer do that, so you might be saying to me, how do I know? Have I gone too far? The question is this. Are you still able to feel sorry for your sin? It's a, it's a clear indication of how hard my heart has become through sin. So we said there's a foundation and we build on it with good works or not good works. Uh, there comes a point where even though I've had a foundation of Christ and I've built uh, not good works, there comes a point where I am so hardened that I just am no longer sensitive to God. I no longer feel bad. I no longer want to turn to Him. And this says that if we have gone that far, we can no longer repent. It's impossible if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. The salvation of God is forever. God has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. We're saved forever in the past. We're being changed. We will be saved one day completely if we endure. But the key here is, can I still repent? And so rather than trying to play so close to the edge of, of falling away, am I there? Am I not? I'd rather just stay far away from the edge. I'd rather just run for God as hard as I can. But if you're one of those people who's right on the edge and you're worried, can I just encourage you? If you can still repent, if you can still turn back to God and allow him to break your heart, you have not gone too far. So what is the summary of all this? Friends, God is so strongly working in you. Your spirit, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death, the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 2. The power of God is so strong within you that He will change you. If you are a believer, your spirit is sealed. You can rest in it. He's got you in His hand. You're part of His hand. You can rest in that. He's working to change you and you just simply need to cooperate 
and allow him to do that. But if you're one of those people who has built a foundation and then built nothing for God on top of it, and you're worried, the answer is repentance, where you allow his word to come into your body through your eyes and your ears. It affects your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It cuts right into your spirit and allows change, that life of the spirit to come out again. And if you need to do that today, simply do that. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I confess my sin. I'm sorry for it. I'm sorry I believed and acted and, and, and wanted the wrong things. And I choose to turn back to you. I ask you to forgive me and I receive your complete forgiveness. And now, Lord, I reject sin. I renounce it. I want nothing more to do with it. I receive your forgiveness and I stand with you against the devil. I resist him. And I command him and all his agents to leave me now in Jesus' name. And I thank you that I am your child. Friend, your spirit is fully saved. Your mind is being saved. Your body will be saved. But when the power of God is in you, it will change your mind, will, and emotions. And it will change your body and your behaviors. And there are lists of sins in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9, where if I'm still living in that sin, even though I think I'm a Christian, the Bible says, be careful, because if you remain in that place, you will not get there. You have not become a Christian fully, or if you are, you are at risk of hardening your heart to the point of denying him. How do I know if I'm there? Simple. Can you repent? Just allow God's word to change you, body, soul, and spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word and for holding us in your hand. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.